Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by me, Fraser McGrew, for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm here with Nick Hare and Peter Coghill of Aleph Insights, and this week we're discussing new words. So, Nick, new words. Um, lead us in. Why are we talking about new words? Uh, I had a I had a lexical crisis a couple of weeks ago. I was trying to work out a word that I was talking about a, a level of precision that we were kind of aiming for. Okay. In with a certain you know analytical approach that we were using, and uh, and I couldn't work out what the I wanted to say the something or other level of precision, and it was basically meant the aimed for level of precision. But aimed mm. for sounds like a weird word, so I just was trying to work it out. We went through lots of possibilities like uh, you know desired or targeted, and none of them were quite right because um, you know aimed aimed for doesn't quite mean targeted. Because targeted suggests you could be above or below, but this was a kind of thing that we might hit if we get it right, you know. Um, and it really meant aimed for. Peter came up with admired, which uh, is isn't a great word, but it means um, it's a made up word, which means sort of aimed for and desired at the same time. Anyway, <clears throat> that was the that's the backstory. But the, I mean, really, the question is when new words arise, right? Well, I mean, when when do they appear? When do we know a word is that the time is right for a word to appear? And, and what drives them? Is it demand or is it supply? Is it like someone comes up with a great new word and then goes, that's a thing now. And we all start using it because, you know, it was always there. But now we know now we've got the word for it. We start using it. Uh, that's that's the question, really. OK. Yeah. I predict at some point we're going to end up talking about Shakespeare in this podcast. Oh, OK. Well, now you've just done that. <laughs> Have I? So, yeah. yeah. Well, there, so there we go. My works. prediction came true. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> uh, OK, Peter, anything to add at this point? Uh, just a few stats. Um, the a study in 2010 suggested that a thousand new words a year are used in print. So that's media and on major this websites is the, in the English language. In the English language, yeah. yeah. So quite a, quite a lot. But um, and another study um, from Harvard University in same year suggested that uh, sort of in general speaking and vernacular, there's around eight and a half thousand new words per year generated. Oh, wow. So some of them will get adopted, and some of them will fall by the wayside. Um, so that's so. The, so the English language stands at around a million words, sort of in general use, which is quite astounding. Um, and uh, they reckoned that the number of commonly used words had doubled in the previous century. So it's you know it's big and getting bigger. That's interesting. That suggests I don't know what technology. I don't know. Um, well, there are yeah. There's, there's, they they the, the reading around the subject, not this study, but others. There's an interesting thing that um, well, actually, there's two competing schools of thought that actually it's always been like this, and there's always been a highly inventive and fluid use of words. Um, but we've only recently sort of started being able to record and capture much more of what people are saying to each other than before that we've been able to do this kind of analysis that um, to indicate it so i mean i i, I would I, I would prescribe personally to that view that um humans have always liked it. playing with language okay. and they've always liked talking to each other in novel funny ways so they've always made up new words it's just that we've captured more of them because uh we've got more digital media now than we've ever had okay 
Nick, you got some more stats? Uh, no, just uh, that um, apparently something. Uh, so Peter's figure of a thousand new words appearing in English sounds about the same uh, as the number of new words added added to the dictionary each year, as far as I can tell. Although it's not it's not necessarily clear how many of those are what we might think of as new words, rather than you know things like new names of chemicals and that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, so I think I think what we're saying is that for a, if, as soon as a word becomes sort of a new word that people use in speech and stuff, it seems to have about a one in four chance of eventually making it into the dictionary. And I think we can consider that the dictionary probably records what is considered settled usage. So so yeah, basically, uh, well, we're talking about order of a thousand, couple of thousand of new words a year. So yeah, so yeah, I know I have had a look, and I've had a look at some of the what what sort of yeah. you know the can proximate. We them? Yeah, I mean, well, there's a dip, there's there's words. Yeah, we can. Uh, in terms of sort of how they get there, where do they come from? Yeah. Um, so there are quite uh, quite a lot are are acronyms. Uh, so I mean, in recent years, that would be something like WTF or LOL um, or AFK. Um, or IRL, which uh, are all AFK? words away from keyboard. Oh God! Right, okay. So what was the other one you said? Uh, IRL or what's what that? In real life, I use that all the time. It's brilliant. So you know, uh, if we're playing, if I'm playing Minecraft with the kids, yeah, I'll say right, uh, bed IRL in five minutes, which means we're not going to bed in Minecraft in five minutes, which is something you can do. Right. Uh, we're going to bed in real life in five what, minutes. Oh yeah, I was going. I forgot what IRL. Yeah. Is. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> An AFK is a good one because that falls into an example actually of of kind of um, these uh, um, uh, retronyms where you, you know in the old days AFK was what we were all the time, but now we spend so much time online that it's it's meaningful to talk about someone being AFK. Um, so in other words, they're out doing something like making a cup of tea. They're AFK instead of you know where they should be, which is in front of their computer screen on a keyboard. So Saving yeah, away. so we got there's acronyms. So in the the classic examples of those are things like laser and radar, radar and and scuba, uh, and also there's various. I mean things that are sort of acronyms like amphetamine, which are concatenations of much longer terms. Uh, yeah, I mentioned retronyms, so that's quite an interesting one that crops up, and I think this is probably relates to what we might want to talk about, which is you know how do we decide it's time for a new word. Retronyms most commonly happen because techno technological changes come along and create a, a, a sort of they expand on something we had before, and that thing then needs to be subdivided. So, acoustic guitar, acoustic. There was no such thing as, as an acoustic guitar oh. until electric guitars came along. Yeah. Uh, likewise, an analog watch. Uh, I was watching a film the other day, uh, The Hidden Figures, which is about. Um, uh, some of the sort of uh, black female uh, engineers who worked at NASA, um, and and they worked as in the so this was in the sort of early sixties, and they were they were called computers. These people, they were computers. Their job was to computed. go and do yeah, that's what they did. They computed stuff, and um, uh, it, there was no they weren't called human computers. Nowadays, the idea of a human computer is weird, but but in uh, for a time there were human computers and digital computers, and now of mm. course we only talk about digital computers. And I think that's something to think about, the fact mm. that, that we no longer need the human, the digital bit. We just talk about computers. Um, manual transmissions on cars. Uh, old money, as opposed to just money. Mm. Um, offline, as a, as a thing. You might have an offline meeting. Well, that certainly never used to exist. 
the safety bicycle, another example of something where we had to add safety to bicycles because the, the, to contrast with penny farthings, but we no longer do that because there are no penny farthings left. Tabletop games, something I'm fond of, but you now need to say tabletop games to distinguish them from computer games. Oh, don't we call them board games? Yeah, board games. Tabletop is a more generic term, actually, okay. for, which includes things like Dumb Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, fake news, caffeinated coffee, etc. <laughs> so anyway, there's a, that back uh, retronyms are a really common route whereby new words are invented. Then you get there's also you get things from literature as well. Words that crop up in, in literature like uh, grok, cyberspace, quark, catch twenty two, um, quixotic, Scrooge, all examples that I found. What's grok? Grok means to sort of get something. I think it's from Heinlein. I can't remember which book, but Robert Heinlein invented that and. Uh, it means to sort of intuitively get something. I grok it. Yeah. So like uh, an idea, a new idea, instead of having to struggle with it and think about what it means, you grok it when it just totally fits into place and you get it. It's a good word. And I think people, um, it, it means a bit more than just to get something because it means to get it on a deep, on a kind of deep fundamental level. Um, I feel you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, genericization. So that's from products, things like Coke, Xerox, Tweet. Um Back formations. This is where we take a word and sort of do do something to it to create um, a word which feels like it ought to have existed in the first place. So, for example, a burglar doesn't it is not someone who burgles, right? It wasn't. That's not what it meant originally. It wasn't like there was a thing called burgling, and and people who did it we called them burglars. Mm. A burglar was uh, you know the name of the person, and we then invented the verb to burgle really? as a result. Yeah, really. The word resurrection uh, preceded the word resurrect by quite a long time, for example. So resurrect came from resurrection. And that was uh, part of a big, massive trend of taking Latin words, Latin nouns, and, yeah. and creating verbs from them, which Good didn't God. used to happen. Um, edit from editor. Syringe. From? From syringes, which is, uh, well, we might call them syringes now, but uh, syringes is the plural of syrinx. What's but a syrinx? A single, a, a single, needle. a syrinx. It's a single one of what you have lots of when you have syringes. <laughs> but we we invented the word syringe because it's more natural for us this to. Is, this is brilliant. Singularize. Uh, compounding, very popular. Football, which I don't know if you're much of a lexicographer, but it comes from foot and ball put yeah, together. Fourth, forthwith, uh, undercuts. There's quite a lot of those. And I think everybody's favourite category of word, right, which is the portmanteau word, mm. which uh, so portmanteau was a type of travelling case which had two big compartments in it. When you opened it up, you could kind of imagine opening it up almost like a little miniature cupboard and it had two kind of bits in it. Mm. So this is two words smashed together to create a, an exciting new word. And this is where I think most of the words that we think of as new words come from. So brunch, classic example. Everyone loves that one. Uh, Brexit. Mm. Sheeple. What's sheeple? Sheeple is like a, a derogatory term for it's sort of basic. No, it's when pe it's people who basically just do what people tell them to do, follow kind of oh. the prevailing oh, opinions, you. Okay, got you. you know, sheeple. So, yes, it's kind of people and sheep put I together. Yeah. Um, bootylicious. Yeah. Jedward. Yeah. Uh, adorkable. Ramona, Libtard, they're all ones. I think you know Ramona is a great one. Um, so I mean, uh, yeah, I think I think it's a really good word, which uh, you know is it smashes together obviously Moan and Ramona, but 
in a way that actually really does seem to work to fit yeah. a certain category of person. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, there we are. So that there, there's there's a bunch of I'm not claiming that's an exhaustive list, but there's a bunch of new word types they're, they're, well there are they're, uh, i read an article guardian article suggested there are 13 distinct mechanisms that new words are created yeah i won't go into any more of them but give it and again and they're and moreover they're often they're often formed as a as a combination of these different techniques so if you've got a 13 different things you can possibly take combinations from you've got a vast possible po- uh, possible sort of mechanisms mm-hmm. that they that uh that can be used the tools of the word forger is yeah. a, a, a many and mm. i think um uh yeah the the i mean i don't know my, my personal where do, where do we find out about new words i mean i because i when i was certainly back before the internet it was viz for me it was viz really okay which is for our overseas listeners a kind of slightly puerile british uh mag, adult mag, comic yeah which was always, and it had this, uh, had um, Roger Melly's Profanosaurus in the back, which was for people would send in lots of suggestions for words, nearly all of which were rude. And uh, <laughs> and they were sort of new, almost all of them were new terms for, you know, having a dump or, or your, your wanger or whatever. But uh, they were all, they were yeah. all, they were now, incredibly inventive. Now, now what's somewhat superseded by the Urban Dictionary. Not yeah, Urban that. Dictionary has certainly picked up that mantle and, and that's now where you would go to, to find new words. Um, I, I myself am an author of a word oh. in Urban Dictionary. Yeah, but it's a term, actually. What, what is, okay, tell us then. It's, uh, well, you know how there's uh, cling film and there's tinfoil? Yeah. You've heard of those. Well, I thought it would be cool for tinfoil to be called uh, cl- bling film. Why? Well, it's just cool, isn't it? Because you've got cling film and bling film. And it's, it's shiny. Be, so it's shiny. Bling film. So it's why are you looking at me like you don't know what? I'm, it's obvious why it should be called bling film. <laughs> so I thought bling film was a really good slang term for t- for tinfoil. But I mean, I have to say it hasn't taken off. But it is on there now. What's That's the my dictionary? entry. What's this? Sorry. What's... Oh my god! It's a you know the internet. Yeah. You know words. I, I heard my grandkids talking about <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. So. It's a site which is like literally it's it's kind of I guess the first draft of the it, Oxford English dictionary. Is it all made up? That, is it, you know, is Yeah, it, no, 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 no. It's a lot of it is definitions of kind of uh you you would it would be your first port of call if you hear someone described as, you know, nang or dench or something and you don't know what it means. You would go there just to check to check what uh what what people say that word means. So it's a kind of good I I think it's of it a as sort the first of democratized dictionary. Anyone can yeah. submit words, but they by and large they're words process. that people use in their own little okay. social groups. So okay. they 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 they're active words, but they're not quite met the the uh the uptake to sure. be featured in a in a proper inverted commas okay. dictionary. But they work one day they will. They'll yeah. find their way in there. Yeah. So look, I still don't feel we're sort of we're not quite sort of getting towards the answer of the question that we posed of where does stuff come from. We sort of have, but I, I mean, I've not well, we've from... tracked it. The proximate sort of where yeah. where do words come from and how do right. they get made? The real question is what affects their take up. Yeah, like you know, kind of the makes... mechanism almost for stuff. You know, that what, sort of I suppose what are the underlying becomes... forces that cause a word to appear? Yeah, I haven't heard from Peter for a bit. Um, Peter, anything to add at this point? Uh, well, I'm I'm not a, 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 a just a linguistic theorist, but it strikes me that that um it must be a an interesting social process that goes on when a word is first posited by somebody as to stand for something or explain something or to have as a shortcut to a concept that they've got in mind it must it must be that it, other people find that as a useful thing as well um and then it 
if it sort of meets a certain certain threshold of usefulness amongst other people, it get used and and carried on. So it's got to be sort of it must be it must be sufficiently sort of concise, conceptually concise that it's easy to spread, um, uh, and it must be fill a gap that other people recognise as existing. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess we're talking about how do, yeah how does something sort of surface and then how does it catch on? Yeah, um, I mean it's it, worth touching. I think on what it's probably I mean it's fair to say is a fairly discredited idea, but <clears throat> the very strongest form of linguistic determinism which is kind of what's suggested in 1984 and so a lot of people intuitively intuitively even though even though kind of just in real life we we sort of don't act like this is true but a lot of people intuitively sign up to the idea that our thoughts are kind of heavily constrained by the words we have so so in other words we can only think what we have words for mm. and of course in 1984 with uh, newspeak mm. um george orwell describes the, this idea that you know the government is able to control thoughts simply by banning words effectively um uh, so yeah so exactly you 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 I think if you ban, you know, the idea being that if you ban the word freedom, for example, you know, people are no longer able to conceive what freedom might mean. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is sometimes called the Sapir-Whorf hypothesis, even though uh, the two people, Sapir and Whorf, didn't, they weren't working together or anything. But it's it's called that mainly by its critics. And um, this came out of a whole bunch of uh, sort of studies and case studies um, from the early part of the 20th century, mo- nearly all of which have been discouraged. Um, uh, dis, um, Discounted? No, what's the word I'm looking at? Oh, here we go again. I need a new word. I've been... Uh, I know what you mean. Um, you know, when you prove something that something was wrong. Yeah. Um, it was there a disproven. minute Disproven. Well, no, no, it's not. It's more... Dis- it's been sort of... Um, the studies have been, you know, been uh, they've been kind of overturned or... This is t- well. This is a good example of it. Uh, this is a good example of what we're talking about. So, um, yeah, but there, there were studies. So that everyone knows this one. The thing about the Eskimos having loads of words for snow. It's not really true. Um, discredited. Discredited. Thank uh, you. Yeah, it's, it's not really true. I mean, if you look for you know the terms that um, that in, in English that we have for snow, you can find more or less all the same terms that correspond to what Eskimos use for you know terms Eskimos use, um, and vice versa, really. Yeah, anyway. and uh, there was another study into a Native American group, the Hopi, who it was claimed did not have words for time, and so it was claimed that therefore the Hopi didn't think about time in the same way that that. Uh, you know that we, we do they don't see it as a kind of linear process they don't mm. see such thing as past and future it's all bollocks okay right i mean they do they totally do understand all that it's just that if you make a literal translation of the grammar it can look a bit weird like you would if you made a literal translation of any language you know mm. without translating the sense anyway so i just, it's worth mentioning that just because it's worth saying it's it is discredited and so i mean you know the kind of intuitive dismissal of this idea uh, is 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 that you know there can be such a thing like what just happened, where you know that there's there's an idea, there's this concept you want to bring out, but you don't have the word for it. Now, if my thoughts were constrained by language, the word discredited would have to come first. That that would have to come first. Otherwise, I couldn't have the concept without having the word, right? Mm-hmm. So so we know that's not true. And I mean, but having said all that, of course, we still do still uh, you know attempt to control language. Yes, you know, we sort of ban. Thoughts, in a sense, by putting a lid on, you know, language we find unacceptable, you know, what is often called political correctness about. But also, I mean, there's a really good example at the moment where um, 
you know, we're in the process of going through Brexit one way or another, and um, uh, the Prime Minister Boris Johnson keeps referring to the, I think it's the Benner. The Surrender Bill. Surre- yeah. So, I mean, that kind of trying to control, yeah, I mean, that sort of, that happens, that's quite common, that's quite normal. Yeah. That's a different kind of thing, So there's the, and the, the weak, so which brings us on to, I think, the weak form, which is to say that our thoughts are influenced by language, and I think that's beyond doubt. And part of, part of the reason that is, is there is a sort of, although you have uh, the denotation of words, uh, mm-hmm. there's also, you know the connotation that they have so so to describe something as a you might say literally well surrender is simply you know the the giving up of a particular political ambition now if you were to say that's all surrender is right which it kind of is in a literal term that's what surrender is um then uh you you know fine it's that it would be okay to call it the surrender bill but because surrender has all these connotations to do with sort of cowardice, yeah. um, you're smuggling those in when you use yeah, terminology kind of like, like that. Sort of yeah, battle war kind of language. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I mean, I think so. So I think the just to the, that relationship between thought and language. Yes, thought comes first by and large, more or less always. So so thoughts, you know, thoughts are driving the creation of new words. New thoughts equals new words. Um, but it's but it's worth saying that language nevertheless does influence our thought. Uh, I don't know how, I haven't got stats to back this up, but I I have a feeling that technical English, be it in whatever domain, seems to be particularly rich for new words. So as new things are invented or new concepts are uh, created, they need a short handle to kind of um, put on them so that people can, within within that community, can commonly refer to the same thing. So often you get a a, def- a long definition of a thing that wants the people sort of feel an urge to give a short word. Um, a, a good an example. A uh, big fan of Scott Manley, who does lots of space videos. He recently visited the ESA um, on one of their open days, mm. um, and he uh, came across a word demisability, which is a word that engineers give uh, as a property of a object of how how well it burns up on re-entry mm. so high okay. demisable objects burn up very quickly and low demisable objects like big lumps of steel or whatever don't so um and what was interesting was the 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 i think she was either french or swiss the engineer he was interviewing about the demisability of things um she 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 seemed to be bemused about this process that the english engineers had come up with yeah. for this word maybe because they in her language, native language, that's not so fluid. And, yeah. But um, yeah, so but they, they were sort of seized upon by the engineers as being a nice, concise way of describing this, the properties of objects. That's a really nice example of a birth of a word, of a new word, and also, I, I mean, it's something I, you know, I know that here in the UK we like to think about, especially um, Latin-derived languages as being sort of quite inflexible, and you know, they're something we've mentioned before is their institutes of language that they have and all that kind of stuff, which we don't really have in the UK, I think. Um, look, we're, we're close to being needing to wrap up. There's something I want to ask. But yeah. Before I do, um, let's. Well, we have. We I don't think we. Yeah, I think. I think. Uh, but we. What we we didn't really touch on. Mm. This issue of okay, what, when is there a demand? Assuming that words are demand driven, Peter's mentioned uh, seems like a very plausible hypothesis there to me, which is that you know when you've literally invented a new thing, when you have a new area of technology or a new area of science you are literally for the first time seeing a thing mm. and you have to put a name on it. Mm. Um, so it makes sense to me that you would find in science engineering and, you know, the I guess the, the, those fields like artificial intelligence, you would expect to find new words appearing there. Um, 
but I, but I think also you know new new yeah I mean, new new kinds of technologies when they reach um, when they reach the 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 general public you know you've got things like I guess social media um, smartphone you know those t- words like that where we need to call a phenomena something um, I think but I think if you think about words as a technology and that what we're trying to do with words <clears throat> is convey information. And information in this context is literally the partitioning of the world in a certain way. So if I want to direct your attention to a certain portion of the world, I need to use language to do that, to define the thing I'm talking about. You know, then the bigger the thing becomes, the more of an argument, the more of a need there is to come up with, um, you know, new words to subdivide it. And I think I think that seems that's a very key, like, you know, with the background with the, the backronyms, the, uh, sorry, the retronyms about acoustic guitar and electric guitar. We now have a distinction we need we want to make because now the space of guitars is so big. We need to start dividing it up, you know. And um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think I feel like that's the that's probably the, um, you know, the, the so if you think of if you think of uh, words as a technology for communication, then their take up, uh, their popularity, the the need for their being invented is just like any other technology, right? So sometimes it will be something entirely new, but when we see it, we go, "Yeah, that's cool. I want to use that." And not not because it's a fun word, particularly. Really, it's because does it do that job yeah, of, yeah. of 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 you know Spank. subdividing the world in a way that's really useful to communicate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think I think it that. So I would put I would put the take up of new words into the same class of you know what makes a product successful, what makes a new technology uh, widely adopted. It's it's the same underlying theory, really. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. The need to use something. So that's, yeah. So, so that's describing why words are demand driven. Mm. Um, but I think there is supply there are supply drivers for new words when a word is particularly funny or entertaining or um uh is just rings well to a group of people that can be sort of possibly no need for the word it's a it's a re i I mean are there example can you give examples well i'm I'm thinking of examples so classic examples you said you mentioned shakespeare he made up words which they're they didn't need to be a word for that he could have used chosen other words but he chose to make something that was that was particularly sounded well or rhymed well or fitted well within the the, mm. the prose. Mm. Um, so that's an example of a sort of supply driver for for a word. Um, but I'm trying to think of, of my list. I've got a list in front of me. I'm trying to find some that aren't obviously demand driven. Yeah, I mean, I, I well, it feels like- to me like it's probably a very much the minority. That the word itself is so great that we want to use it, even yeah, if it's no, not doing anything useful. Yeah, I think that's true. There's a minority, but I think otherwise it's quite, um, it's quite a little bit, not prosaic, but a little bit too utilitarian in terms of. I've got one. Gone. The JJ for ladies, ladies bits. Where did that come? What you've just come up with that? No, I think it came off something like the only way is Essex. No, you're talking about. But it's such a, it's such a great word. No, that's a, that's like when you have it. Isn't that when you when you kind of have it cover it in glitter or something? Yeah, like I don't know. But anyway, I think I think words like that. I mean, words for our for our rude bits. They are they 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 clearly there's no need for them, but we like using them because they're funny. Which reminds me, actually, a friend of mine. He was um, years ago. He was in hospital in Poland when we were teachers together. I think it was something to do with his appendix. He was sitting around in hospital, not much to do, and so he sat there working out how many words he could, how many. Um, was he knew for like rude bits yeah and that's all he had to do in a he lot. came up with quite a yeah. few yeah i would imagine <laughs> yeah. yeah um so peter i know you were looking for some words there but i don't know if, if you found some great 
If not, there's something I want to move on to, which is very close to this. I haven't got any more examples. But okay, I so to... what I want to ask is this. is uh, You can imagine, I want to... Uh, what's your favourite new word? Um, I don't have one, but I've... I've well, anyway, if you can, you can either have what's your favourite new word or what's your favourite word full stop. I predicted this question would come up. Oh, well, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a very Fraser question. It is, yeah. Uh, I've got a couple, actually. Right, go for it. Okay, I love the much maligned Brexit. Oh, do you? And I like it because it's so emotive and it stands for so much. It comes so loaded with yeah. everything. But it's also quite an ugly word. It is. And also, it's actually, I find it quite mispronounced quite often. A lot of people say Brexit. You hear Brexit? This, yeah, this g sound. Okay, uh, yeah. Uh, my other favourite um, is is meme. Because uh, it's quite meta. It's yeah. sort of, it's, yeah, it's about words and ideas and things. Yeah. But, it's a ni- but it's a nice... Uh, thanks to Richard Dawkins for it because he coined yeah. it. Um, but it's a great. Uh, it's a, it's a, just a nice little word to explain yeah. the, the very important concept. Even we did, even though we did a podcast all about memes, I still don't really understand memes. But anyway, um. I refer you to our previous podcast. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, they, obviously, the concept of a meme is unsuccessful at transferring itself to Fraser's brain. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah, something's gone wrong there. Uh, Nick, I, I, I of recent words of words that I think I became aware of in about the last year. Yeet. What's that? Well, it it sure means it actually can mean a very wide range of things, but it but it's generally used to mean to sort of throw something to someone. Um, but more than that, so like a lot of words, as soon as it gets identified as a thing, but to throw throw something at someone very forcefully, to almost yeet. to kind of really just to get rid of it by chucking it at someone to yeet it. Who you uses know, this? You can yeet something through a window. You can this, yeet you, it across the room. Have you been room. hanging out with teenagers in North London again? Um, it... People on the internet use it. Right. So I'm aware of it that way. But it, but I, but I, of course, you know, then it immediately gathers a metaphorical usage so that you can, you know, if you yeet someone, uh, you know, you, you get rid of them as a friend, for example, or okay. you, you know, you can yeet, a, is it, is yeet it... an idea to someone. Or, you so know, it's about sort of, sort of offloading something forcefully. It's, it's, yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. But, I mean, normally in a certain direction. Okay. So you know you would you would specific you don't just yeet something. So it's like foisting. And... You can't yeet something. You have to yeet something through through or out. Okay, but do somewhere. you ever use this in spoken? Language yeah, I do. Yourself? Yeah, occasionally. Yeah, talk about yeeting things. My son does. My son talks about yeets. Really? Yeeting. Yeah. Uh, when when th- it's something you just... might do if you were uh, throwing something to someone in Minecraft, you might be yeeting it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I actually don't have any any other any. No, no, that'll do for now. I think I don't have any uh, new words. I don't have any words, but I do have one thing. Actually, I'll give you two things. One is actually um, slightly cheating. It's just a word that I like in another language. Yeah. Which, um, in in Portuguese, um, they call a, um, a hummingbird. They call it a beija flor, which means a kiss flower, <laughs> uh, which I really really like. Um, but something else. Actually, I've got a favourite bit of grammar. Okay. Uh, again, it's not new, but it's something that we use in the UK, but they don't really use in America very much. And actually, you um, actually just arguably used the, the US version rather than the UK version, which is you said something we didn't cover in the podcast, right? Um, where more usually you might say in British English, you would say something we haven't covered. Um, so we use the present perfect and the past perfect a lot more in the UK than they do in the US. Um, and it's, I think it works really nicely for greater accuracy of, w- of what you're talking about um, at certain points in time. Um, make sense? Yeah. But it's nothing yeah. to do no, with No, it reminds words. me of, there is, there's a popular sort of meme-ish, uh, a kind of thing you only get in memes, really, of, say, of adding unt 
to words. So instead of saying we didn't cover it, you'd say we covered it. And uh, yeah, it's, it, it appears in memes. It's weird you should mention that specifically okay. because, uh, yeah. Which reminds me, one of my sons, he never says won't. He always says wilt. Yeah, well, Willant is an old. Uh, yeah, yeah it's, and I quite like still it. Has, it makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, I think yeah. in Ireland that's more common to say I willant. Yeah. Will uh, you do this? I willant. There's something like that they say in Scotland as well. I can't remember what it is. Anyway, uh, look, we're And if up you there. instead of saying will, you can say I wontent. <laughs> True. You could. You could. Um, okay. All right. Uh, we'll stop there. Um, that was fun. <clears throat> Thank you very much, as always, for listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. I'm Fraser McGrew. I've been here with Nick Hare and Peter Coghill of Aleph Insights. Thanks for listening, and until next time, goodbye. Mm-hmm.